0: What do Carolina basketball and the current recycling market have in common? They're both great at rebounding. How's that for a cold open? I hate to bear bad news, so I'm not going to. I choose to bear good news. And the good news is that recycling markets are looking strong. Paper and plastic pricing are the best that they have been in years. And the, as in capital T H E V the Chaz Miller, is joining the episode to discuss why markets are doing so well. Chaz is a veteran of the recycling industry and serves on the Maryland Recycling Network Board and is an ex-officio board member of the Northeast Recycling Council. He writes an award-winning column for Waste360 and he keeps close tabs on commodity pricing and industry trends. I'm going to hear from Chaz, but first, a word from one of our diamond sponsors, Sunoco Recycling.
1: Hello, I'm Palace Steps, President of Sunoco Recycling, a top 10 recycler in the U.S. As part of the global packaging company, Sunoco, we have a unique skill set for looking at the full picture. We're both a producer of sustainable packaging and part of the recycling supply chain that gives those items a second life. Knowing the ins and outs of a packaging's life cycle helps us to help others reach environmental and business goals. Our state-of-the-art facilities provide customized services and innovative solutions to more than 15,000 retailers, manufacturers, and communities. If you want to partner with the same capable expert from beginning of life to end of life, team up with us. Learn more at sinoco.com.
0: Here is my conversation with Chaz. I know you as the guy who presents at every recycling conference I've ever been to. And so you usually have a great presentation about the state of markets. And one concept that you mentioned at the Carolina Recycling Association Conference back in May was Goldilocks pricing, I believe. Yes. And I was hoping you could just kind of explain what that means uh sure. kind of Econ 101 for me.
1: Yeah, it, re- recyclables are just commodities, and they're actually sort of at the tail end of the commodity change chain, because sometimes the, the quality isn't there, the quantity isn't there. So a lot of different recyclables have a reputation as an undependable commodity. So like all commodities, their prices fluctuate. Sometimes they're very high, sometimes they're very low. And as we've seen lately for mixed paper and one or two other things, sometimes they're negative. So, it, you know, I came up with the idea, and actually it was for the Carolina Conference okay, uh, nice. a few okay, months cool. ago, yeah. that what you want are Goldilocks markets. You want markets that aren't too hot, they're not too cold. Buyers are making money, sellers are making money, and perhaps most importantly, nobody's stealing the stuff. So you like markets that are good. You like markets that make money for everybody. You like markets in which everybody can, can, can get their share And life is good. Now we don't have those a lot Uh, right now. We're kind of getting there for paper, and I don't even know how to describe plastic markets right now. (laughs) They're just. On the other hand, who's going to steal a detergent bottle from a recycling bin? I mean, that's just ludicrous on its face. So it's not really going to happen for those. But that's what it is. It's just markets that work for everybody.
0: Okay, so we're you think we're approaching. That sweet spot.
1: I I think we're getting there for paper. Uh, The 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 latest paper prices for corrugated are one fifteen in in the area where North Carolina is, and and that's a good price to have. Right. It could be a little bit better. Frankly, I'd like to see it about ten or twenty dollars higher. But the flip side of that is the more expensive the raw material gets. The people who buy that raw material, who use it for recycled content, they're now paying more than they want to pay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's a okay. third part of the buyer and seller equation. The, the, you gotta have a, an acceptable price for your buyer because they're turning that into a raw material. We've already, we're actually now maybe on the third round of price increases in the last year when it comes to liner board and corrugated medium, the stuff boxes are made out of. Wow. Uh, the latest one wasn't linerboard so much as it was for tubes and cartons. And, and, and in the first quarter reports for the publicly traded paper companies, they all talked about how paper prices are rising. They're having to pay more for their raw materials. They're all forecasting higher raw material prices. They're forecasting that OCC is going to go up maybe $30 a ton throughout the rest of the year, maybe more. And what that means is They either have to raise prices or they got to find other costs they can lower because it's just the reality of the game. And and it's sort of the conundrum of recycling. You want prices, but you don't want prices. You're going to make the product you want your recyclables made into too expensive to be sold. And that's just the nature of economics.
0: Has there been a rebound in the paper markets um, and plastic markets because of more? domestic capacity coming online?
1: Absolutely. And and the interesting thing is that was starting to happen before the national sword. The the, the first set of announcements, really, the thinking of them began in 2016 and early 2017. And it was caused by mills that made made printed paper, couldn't sell it anymore, whether it was newsprint or office paper or what have you. And realized that because of e-commerce, there were some opportunities out there to make packages to make corrugated boxes, precisely specifically to make liner board and to make corrugated medium. So they started announcing capacity expansions and conversions of abandoned printed paper mill uh, machines in, in the packaging grades. And then you started seeing new mills. Pratt was the first one with the mill that they opened up in Wapakoneta, Ohio in uh, October of 2018. And then the mill that just opened up in in, uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin, which was a brand new, much larger mill, replacing a mill that I think was 50 or 60 years old or more. And it's always been packaging grades.
0: These mills using uh, recycled cardboard, recycled mixed paper? Yes. Okay, right.
1: The, The first ones were strictly OCC. That's what they were going for.
0: Right. Then
1: you started seeing a couple of those mills interested in residential mixed paper. Pratt has always been a big user of residential mixed paper and Green Bay made it very clear that's that was gonna be about a third of their input. And, and you're seeing more of those with, with sort of the, 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 the announcements that came on in 2018 and 2019, more users of residential mix and more just brand new facilities.
0: And how about in the Southeast, uh, have there been any mills to be announced, mills that are, are coming for the Southeast markets?
1: Uh, Sunoco has expanded some of its capacity. Uh, there is a facility plan for the Tidewater area in Virginia, the Echo Malida project in South Carolina, which is which is kind of an interesting duck. It's first it's plastics recycling, then they're going to add on the ability to take cartons and get the fibers out of out of your septic cartons and, and, and milk cartons. Uh, those all have been announced. Uh, there's some others, some other OCC uh, expansions in the southeast in Louisiana and, and in Alabama. Uh,
0: so that, that's been good news to see that people have been announcing and uh, providing in markets for these material recovery facilities, picking residential OCC corrugated cardboard uh, and, and mixed paper, um, which specifically took a hit, I think, in the Carolinas uh, for the past few years. but. It'll be, it'll be nice to see a long continued positive value for mixed paper
1: oh absolutely yeah the question is how long it is I mean paper value does go up and down it's it's, it's, it's part of a global economy right of course and there are function there are parts of that economy out there that you and I and we just have no control over <laughs> Steel is actually a great example of this. The price of steel for steel cans is just, it's record-setting prices. Right, And it's simply because that industry currently is, is all of a sudden, it's taken off. There's new capacity. The Chinese economy has recovered. They need scrap. In the United States, 70% of your steel production is based on scrap. It's the electric arc, arc furnaces. And I believe Nucor is still headquartered in the Carolinas, although I could be wrong about that. And it, it's just there's a lot of demand for steel right now, so they're looking for all kinds of scrap. And hey, cans are going along for the ride, and that's good.
0: Yeah. And
1: that's strict. That's an international economic phenomenon. That's 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 just rolling with it.
0: Right on, yeah. Always like to see healthy markets for steel and glasses. They're both infinitely recyclable and can can be put through the system multiple times. More recently, we've had a. Uh, pretty big economic disruptor with COVID. How had COVID affected the recycling commodities or or did it even have a big effect?
1: Oh, it did, and and it's two ways. Uh, The obvious one is e-commerce. Right. Uh, COVID hits and everything shut down in in late March. Uh, All of a sudden, the corrugated industry couldn't find boxes to use as a raw material. So there's an incredible spike in prices for boxes in May up to about the second or third week in June. And then they had really collapsed again, but they've rebounded very nicely. And the problem was you had all this surge was beginning in e-commerce, but the stuff you get at the curbside, they're smaller boxes. And now you've got to get homeowners to break them down and put them in their recycling bin instead of relying on a, on a grocery store or a retail store, or what have you, to break them down and sell them to an end market. So you had an industry that was used to, to steady supply of very clean corrugated. that was now getting some of that, you know, from the grocery stores that were still open. They, they remained a great source of corrugated boxes. Sure. But now they were having to rely on you and me. And we were just not, we're not as reliable
0: yeah.
1: as, as, those, as those grocery stores and those retail stores.
0: Residential and, streams a little dirtier, a little yeah, less yeah, a little less quantity, and, right?
1: Yeah. E-commerce just exploded last year. It increased in, in in its share of retail sales by one third in one year. Wow. wow. It it when it was first measured, it goes back to about 2005 or so. It was maybe five percent of retail sales. The other impact of COVID was on plastics. There's a lot more single-use plastic now. And a lot of it is because stuff that, you know, you go in and you pick up with the tong at the grocery store and you and put it in your whatever. Now it's in a little plastic pouch because they don't want customers pawing the croissants or the bagels or what happens. <laughs> so they, they want them all separated. So there's a lot of that. Right. And that's probably the hardest thing to recycle, period.
0: Plastic um, film,
1: yeah. Yeah, and that kind of film
0: yeah. in
1: particular. Um, we, we've seen, you know, Bottles, they weren't harmed by the pandemic. Uh, detergent, its sales weren't harmed by the harmed by the pandemic. They just went on as they were before. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best thing we've seen is is not because of the pandemic, but I think because of a lot of the push for recycled content, we've seen the plastic prices just shot shoot through the roof. I mean, every every time I look at prices for natural HDP or color HDP, or even polypropylene. It's a new record.
0: Right. So prices for plastic going up because of brands commitment to using more recycled and post-consumer content in their products.
1: That That's clearly the primary concern. You know, gas is more expensive now. Right. And it's getting to the point where it's going to make virgin resin much less, m- much it's it's going to really narrow that gap between virgin and and recycled content. It's it's not there yet, but and I'm not crazy about expensive gas every time I fill up the car. But still, you know, it's a benefit we get out of expensive gas.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. I guess whenever I see the price of gas go up, I I'm like well, I guess it's good for good for plastic markets. Uh, it so is. Can, you know, it's that, that makes it feel better. Um, so now that demand has been increasing for plastics, has supply been able to keep up? I'm, from what well, I hear, you know, we're, we're still having to sh- even some companies are shipping in plastics.
1: It's supply and demand. Demand is there and the supply isn't. And it, it points to a real weakness in recycling. And, and it's, we still have not created in this country a recycling culture. We have a nascent one at the curbside in in single-family housing, where in most parts of the country, if, if there's weekly collection, people do a pretty good job of at least getting their bins on the curbside on recycling day, whether it's weekly or every other week or what have you. Do they do the right job in terms of putting the right stuff out and keeping it clean? No, we are not Germany. We're, we're just not there and and i think that's one of the biggest problems facing recycling is a lot of recyclers think that it's just all about policy and we pass all these laws and everybody will go out and recycle right well ain't gonna happen but there's a lot of work that needs to be done on just creating that recycling culture and i i I think a lot of advocates and a lot of politicians are just not willing to deal are not willing to deal with that. Uh, they're, 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 they're too fixed on policy and they're not enough focused on what it's really going to take to create that recycling culture and it ain't just passing laws. Sure. You
0: bring up Germany as an example. What about German residents make them have a stronger recycling culture? where they are recycling the right items, they are not recycling contaminants, things that don't belong in the recycling bin. What's, what's the difference?
1: It's a cultural thing. Sure. We're very different cultures. In Germany, you have to put your bin out at a particular time and you have to get it off a curb at a particular time. If you don't, you'll be fined. And in Switzerland, the fines are three figures. They don't mess around.
0: <laughs> sure.
1: Uh, you can read great stories of neighbors riding on neighbors for putting the wrong things in the recycling bin.
0: Great stories, yeah.
1: And it's just a different culture.
0: Sure, yeah.
1: And and we're Americans. That's not the way we are, for better or worse. And you can see it anytime you're in an airport or in a coffee store and you look in the recycling bin and it ain't a recycling bin. It's just got crap because people are in a hurry. Right. And they have other priorities.
0: The convenience culture. We have well,
1: convenience now we're just yeah. Fired differently.
0: Yeah. Big, big picture. What should, what could we possibly expect looking, gazing into our crystal ball? What could we possibly expect for the next three years for cycling markets? I know that's, that's the, the million dollar question. Um, even I get asked uh, by clients,
1: Keep in mind that the last conference I spoke to in person was in Connecticut at the end of January of last year. I never used the word pandemic or COVID in that presentation. I was modestly optimistic about paper markets and and who knew about plastic. And hey, missed that one. And and there there are two black swans, if you will, out there. The first one is India. And whether or not it gets COVID under control, because India is the biggest importer of American recycled paper. They get 28%, I think is the number, of the exports. Not of all recycled paper, just of the exports. So that ramps down to about, I don't know, 10% of all the paper we collect, maybe probably less than that. Um, So far, they seem to be holding steady, but if the pandemic gets gets worse and it starts really shutting down mills, that's a problem for paper prices. Um, the other is just what's going to happen to e-commerce. Uh, it is losing, as I said, market share to, to, to stores in terms of the retail market, but I don't think it's going away. So I think actually things look good for paper. Uh, not all of the new facilities will be built because that they would just be more boxes than anybody needs in the world. Uh, all the expansions will be finished. There's four of those left. Probably half of the 11 new facilities will be finished, five or six of them. Uh, i you know I think prices look good for this year, next year. It just I don't know what's out there economically that, that none of us are aware of. Plastics are the one that are so hard to figure out. You still have problems because of the, the freeze in Texas. Uh, you've got these, these prices are unsustainable. They, it's an, it's, it's a lot of money to pay. But the, the latest thing for, uh, for natural HTP is a, a dollar, dollar and six and a half cents. That is a stunning price for, for a pound of, of natural HTP. That That is more than two and I think it's like two and a half times its previous high. Wow. I'm not I don't think those prices are are sustainable over time. But hey, don't complain about them Nile. <laughs> I think the advantage that natural HTP has is that it's it's a very versatile and it can be used for non-food contact. So you can you can use it for detergents or and, and motor oil, you name it, that it, that's that's not food contact. Colored HDP and polypropylene are coasting partially on just the rebounding economy and on construction in particular, because those are good markets for both of those. Uh, With colored HTP, use it for a lot of construction related materials, piping buckets and so forth. Um, So, you know, you kind of hope that boom continues, but we all know construction has, has ups and downs. We all know you get to a point where there's too much on the market to sell, so. Uh, But, you know, I think it looks good for the next half a year, at least. It's just it's just a lot harder to predict the plastics.
0: So recycling recyclable materials like any commodity are subject to the fluctuations of national and international markets. Absolutely. All right. Great. Is there anything that you think I missed, glossed over that you think would be important to hear? no
1: i just i think it's a fun time to talk about markets
0: absolutely yeah
1: i don't go into press conferences right
0: yeah well jazz that's that's everything on my side um really appreciate your your insights it's always good to hear from you i'm sure next conference i'll be at i'll be hearing from you again
1: my pleasure look forward to uh to attending the next CRA conference in person
0: It was great hearing from Chaz about how the recycling markets have improved due to increased domestic capacity for material and producers renewed commitments to using recycled content. I'd also like to thank the Carolina Recycling Association's Diamond Sponsors, Sunoco Recycling and Pratt Industries. Save the date for the CRA's 2022 conference, which will be held from March 21st to the 24th in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And lastly, Look out for CRA Connect, which will allow the entire CRA membership to network online this summer.